Yeah. 
Namaste, Saswadi Deve, Govani Pachayne, Nivishishishunivari, Pasitari, Sitarine, Vanchukapa, Dubasa, Kibas, Nivevata, Paditanam Pavanebu, Vaishnavibu, Namunama, Jai Shikrishna, Titanya, Pavanityananda, Shiat Baita, Gadara, Shivasadi, Govaktabinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Somehow I'm not quite so happy how this is. Can't we make it a little lower and turn the mic so it's up? Otherwise it just sticks so much in my face. Yes, like that. Okay, good. Okay, so thank you very much for coming together for this Sunday Feast Lecture, even after we had a big festival yesterday of Ram Nomi. And maybe just, uh, I should just briefly introduce myself since there seemed to be a little misunderstanding that people think I'm a Pope, a disciple, and I feel I have to put this right that I am actually not a Pope, a disciple. Um, so my name is Devaki Davidasi, and originally I'm from Germany, but I have never lived in Germany as a devotee. I left already Germany about 34 years ago, and I met Iskon in Sydney in Australia, and very quickly I realized this is what I was looking for. So I lived for four years in Sydney in the ladies' ashram, and received training in all fields of devotional life. And then I was also married for 10 years. And in this time of married life, by Krishna's arrangement, we we um, established the first more organized temple in the former Soviet Union, actually. This was from 89 to 99, just at the time when the Iron Curtain fell and we had a wonderful time there in pioneer work, very exciting, and I learned so many things there. So, and then my former husband decided to take a break from Krishna consciousness, and he remarried a non-devotee and basically is not practicing anymore. So these things happen. But nevertheless, whatever happens to us devotees is Krishna's mercy and blessing. So in this spirit, I accepted the situation and I simply moved on into the renounced phase of life. So and since 1999, I'm basically living out of a suitcase and travel and preach. And I spent five months per year in India and Bangladesh. Anybody here from Bangladesh, maybe? Okay, wow, so many. Okay, so where are you from? Chidugang. I have been many times there. Okay, good. Yeah, so five months per year I'm in Indian Bangladesh, and the other seven months per year I'm 
around Europe usually. I spend a fair bit of time in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine. I spend quite a bit of time Ukraine, Moldova, Croatia, Slovenia. There's so many countries there. And recently I also started coming to the U.S. This is my second visit to North America and my first visit to Dallas. And in my humble preaching efforts, I have two main themes I like to talk about. First of all, the holy name. I like to um, yeah, spend time discussing more deeply how we are meant to chant, because I'm firmly convinced that we don't make enough efforts to get on deeper levels of understanding of chanting in Japa and Kirtan. And also, I like to talk about culture. I, In my time in Bangladesh, I have learned so many valuable things, how our Vaishnav culture is meant to be lived and practiced. And this time in Bangladesh has really given me a whole transformation, actually, and it has affected my personal spiritual practice and also my preaching. And Yes, and I came to a point where I realized we need more systematic training and education in this aspect of culture. So I established a little institute for spiritual culture and I have put different courses together. And these two books I have published, they are two courses which I'm usually giving. And yeah, they are all about different aspects of culture. At the end, I can say a few more words about the books. So this is basically, um, yeah, about myself. So today, I would like to dedicate this program to a different topic. To I would like to dedicate this lecture to remember Shilapopad even though I'm not a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. Actually, yeah, I forgot to mention, I'm a disciple of His Holiness Niranjana Swami. Some of you might know him. Yes. Hmm? Okay. <laughs> I have to admit, I had two Diksha Gurus before that. <laughs> He's my third Diksha Guru. I was in Australia, I was Bhavananda, initiated by Bhavananda, then took the initiation of Prabhu Vishnu, former Swami, now Prabhu, and then one more time, Naranja Swami. But all these three gurus were the perfect guru at that time, and my whole life, I would have never even gotten to Bangladesh if I had not taken shelter of Prabhu Vishnu, Prabhu, former Swami. He took me there. So my whole life would have gone so differently if I had not taken shelter of these personalities. So it was all meant to be like that. Yes, so Srila Prabhupada, being the founder Acharya, this is what I would like to talk a little bit about because, you know, this might hopefully may also be interesting for people who are very new to Krishna consciousness who is this personality here? And why is he sitting there? Why not anybody else? And as we may know, it is written on every book or every publication, every poster, 
A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, founder Acharya of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. So this topic of founder Acharya, this is a very important and highly relevant topic. And actually, I have to admit, for many years, I was simply using this term, founder Acharya, without thinking more deeply what it actually means, right? We very easily, we just repeat this, yeah, all right, he, he started his garden, so is he the founder, and we think it's just some title or something. But it is actually so much more than this, yes. And this topic is becoming more and more relevant because we have to say that every Every year, so many of Prabhupada's direct disciples are leaving this world. And this makes it even more pressing that we actually deepen our understanding and our appreciation of Srila Prabhupada and his unique role as founder Acharya. And this is simply what I would like to present a little bit. So... Of course, it is rather natural that those gurus who are present at the moment in this world, they do leave a stronger impact on us than those who have left this world, right? It's like that because if the person is present, we can more easily relate to that person and remember that person maybe. So... And Prabhupada's physical absence, because he is the founder Acharya, that needs to be compensated by ever deepening realization of his vani, of, of being connected with him through remembrance, through instruction. And that actually requires more internal work. To build a relationship with a person who is no longer present, this requires more deeper internal work. But it is definitely possible, definitely possible. That's what it means that a relationship is transcendental, that it is actually not depending on that physical association. I will come to that a little later. But, um, yeah, definitely, or I can say this already now here, um, obviously one main way how to connect with Srila Prabhupada is by reading his books, right? Prabhupada was always saying, if you want to know me, read my books. Prabhupada put so much in his books. And not only that, there's also so many wonderful books about Prabhupada's pastimes. So many wonderful books. So many of Prabhupada's disciples who spent time with him traveling as his servant maybe or secretary, they made this effort and wrote books about Prabhupada. And I remember when I came to Krishna Consciousness, these actually were my first books I read. 
I read all the books I could get my hands on about Prabhupada's pastimes. Prabhupada in Australia, Prabhupada in South Africa, Prabhupada in Germany, Harisoy Prabhu's diaries, and, and, and the Satsuvmaj wrote a whole long, you know, bookshelf full of books about Prabhupada. So many books are there. And because I read these books so eagerly, this, this is almost like being with Prabhupada, actually. When you read these books about his pastimes, how he was dealing in all different situations, you almost feel like you are there with Prabhupada. And I feel I have met Prabhupada because I read so many books. I feel I traveled with Prabhupada all over the world, you know, because I read all these books. You know, so that immensely helped me to actually get to know Prabhupada as a person. Whereas when we read the books Prabhupada gave us, they're more his his instructions, you know, and his visions and his mood and, and, and. But then reading books describing Prabhupada's pastimes, you get to meet that personality. It's almost like, you, you, you see a painting or a piece of art, definitely you can understand so much about the person behind it. But then when you meet that personality, that's even more special and more sweet, right? Yeah, so these two ways are obviously the main ways how to deepen our relationship with Srila Prabhupada. Reading his books and reading books about his pastimes. So even if we have never met Prabhupada, I mean, I joined in 1985, so Prabhupada left 77, so I have not met Prabhupada. But still, um, there is quite a connection there. But we have to make some effort, of course. We have to make some effort. And the main and foremost effort is to read his books and read books about Prabhupada. So, yes. So, by actually deepening our understanding of, of Prabhupada, then Prabhupada's presence can be felt very strongly. And then his presence will not diminish over the future generations generations to come. So founder Acharya um, you know, is has a very deep meaning because Prabhupada not only he carried the message of Krishna consciousness all around the world, but he also created the foundation and the functioning and the vision of the society of ISKCON as a global community aiming at re-spiritualizing the entire human society. That was Prabhupada's vision. He was thinking in big terms. He was not just starting some little Hindu-orientated society or something, but no, he actually wanted to re-spiritualize. He wanted to create a cultural revolution in the world to re-spiritualize human society. So this is a very big thing. This has never been there before in the history of Vaishnavism. So Prabhupada actually 
created something very, very unique. You know, and as we of course know, this was the prediction of Mahaprabhu Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He envisioned it all. You know, in Mayapur we can see his house on the other side of Jalangi River. And he was envisioning there will be one day a big temple where people from all different corners of the world will chant the holy name. So that, that prediction was there. So in Prabhupada was that special and unique personality who created, you know, the whole, the, the whole uh, vision of how, how a international society, how it has to function to actually really inaugurate a worldwide Sankirtan mission. So this is something very, very unique and very special. So Prabhupada's role is actually ongoing and his presence should be really felt in each and every devotee of ISKCON. We should be feeling his presence very strongly for the many centuries to come. I mean, Prabhupada was always saying, my books will be the law books for the next 10,000 years. That's a long period of time, 10,000 years, you know. So, and if Prabhupada's books will be the law books for human society, for humanity, then naturally also he as the author will actually be remembered for the next 10,000 years. His pastimes will be discussed for the next 10,000 years. Like we discuss Mahaprabhu's pastimes, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So also Prabhupada's pastimes will be discussed. You know? Yes, definitely. I mean, that's my humble realization. <laughs> so obviously, founder Acharya is not merely just a title. I was thinking this myself for many years, actually, that, yeah, it's just a title to honor that Prabhupada started this ISKCON society. But now it is actually a transcendental system to protect and preserve and give longevity to this institution which is dedicated to, to mass liberation of the conditioned souls all around the world. You know? So it is actually a system to protect what Prabhupada has given us. So basically, founder Charya means that Prabhupada's personal standards, his principles of action, his spirit, takes shape in an organization, which he created. Right? And each member of ISKCON, each and every one here, if we want to be actually a, a, you know, a contributing and committed member to this ISKCON society, we actually all should internalize the spirit which Prabhupada invested into ISKCON, actually. And we should take that deeply into the core of our hearts and make that our own identity. Right? And very easily understandable, 
if actually everyone does that in Iskon, you know, then then that spirit, Prabhupada's spirit, will pervade the entire institution. Right? Then Prabhupada's spirit and presence will be there because each and every member carries it in their hearts and makes it their own spirit. Yeah, you, you get what I'm trying to say? Yes. Yeah, so in that way, Prabhupada's spirit provides the institution as the essence of its culture. You see? And in that way, Prabhupada is present, and each and every member of ISKCON becomes a visible embodiment of Prabhupada's spirit. Right? So, and then Prabhupada, as the founder Acharya, will remain with us in ISKCON. If we all deeply understand Prabhupada's mood, Prabhupada's spirit, Prabhupada's vision, Prabhupada's instructions, how he envisioned things to go on, if we deeply understand that and make that our own mood, then Prabhupada will be felt, his presence will be felt ongoingly for the next 10,000 years. Yes. So actually, once we more deeply think about this, we all carry actually such a great responsibility, you know, that we actually have to imbibe deeply Prabhupada's spirit. Prabhupada has to become a very important personality in our life who we should remember deeply every day, you know. And then if we are connected with Prabhupada, then we can give that connection to others. People catch that from what we carry in our hearts and people can can take up that same spirit. Yes, so it is a very, very, um, you know, very big responsibility for each and every member of ISKCON to really take up Prabhupada's spirit and make it our own spirit. And in that way, you know, Prabhupada, as the founder of Chaya, will never be forgotten. Never. Because we carry that spirit in our hearts and we give it to the next generation. And I mean, we we do honor and learn from so many Acharyas in our line. You know, we have Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Vinotako, Rupa Goswami, so many. But Prabhupada, as the founder Acharya, has a very unique position. You know, yes. Nobody matches up that role. You know, because he was the one who could clearly and deeply understand how to bring this Krishna consciousness to the Western world, you know, even to highly materialistic countries such as America and Germany also and so many other places of the world. You know, even there, you know, this Krishna consciousness is is accepted more and more and people taking it up. Because Prabhupada knew how how to how to present things and how to inspire people and convince people and 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 so a very unique uh, role Prabhupada is playing and so his his role is ongoingly will be 
present generation after generation that he is the single prominent shikshagu for everybody in Iskon. So, you know, we, we've heard these things maybe many times, yeah, Prabhupada is the shikshagu for all. But are we deeply realizing in the heart what it actually implies, what it, what it means, you know? Then we deeply really have to take up that, that spirit. And, Prabhupada himself gave this nice little analogy. He was saying, Iskon is like my body. And Prabhupada himself is the soul of that body. So, and we all know a body only remains alive if the soul is present. Right? So if Prabhupada's presence is disappearing, is fading away, then Iskon becomes like a dead body. Yes. So this is something to uh, remember, you know, that Iskon as a body remains only alive as much as Prabhupada's presence is there, felt in each and every devotee's life, each and every devotee carrying and imbibing Prabhupada's mood and spirit and making it one's own mood and spirit. Then the body of Iskon is alive. But if that disappears, then the body will be dead and useless. So we don't want this to happen. So therefore, I find this such an important topic to try and understand more deeply what what it actually means that Prabhupada is the founder Chaya. So, and I mean, our present gurus, our present Diksha gurus, their function is actually to connect us with Srila Prabhupada. That's actually their function. That's why, you know, our our parampara pictures there, they end with Prabhupada. We don't continue there with so many pictures because actually each and every Diksha Guru is connecting his disciples with Prabhupada. So some of the devotees here may have to one day serve as Diksha Guru also, so they also connect their disciples with Prabhupada. Not with their Diksha Guru, but with Prabhupada. So like that, it goes on for the next 10,000 years, hopefully. <laughs> that everyone connects the disciples with Prabhupada. So that's why we don't continue putting more and more pictures there. You know, because that's our Guru Tattva. That we we are connected with Prabhupada. So if we are connected with Prabhupada through our Diksha Guru, and we have that deep connection in our hearts, then we can also connect others, even though we have never met Prabhupada. But if we have that spirit and 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 mood of Prabhupada in our hearts, you know, and we are firmly connected, then we can be like a, a hot iron, you know, which ignites 
it brings the heat to the uh, to the next person type of thing, you know. Yes. So let us maybe understand a little bit more what it means to actually be connected to Prabhupada. It is quite a deep thing, actually, that the connection, being connected to Guru or Prabhupada actually means that we feel some internal dependence on Prabhupada. That's what it means to be connected that we feel without Prabhupada's mercy, without Prabhupada's guidance, I cannot do anything. That's actually what it, that's a deeper understanding of being connected to Prabhupada. It is not just a question of simply being initiated or something. That's the external thing. But the internal thing is that feeling of being helplessly dependent on Prabhupada. Then we are connected. And I once heard a very nice analogy. The analogy of an electric wire. Here we have one. So there is the plastic rubber there, the plastic cover, outside insulation cover, and there is inside the copper wire. So what's what's the part that transmits the electricity? Obviously the copper wire, right? But the outside insulation also is important. It also plays its role. So the outside insulation part, we can compare to the mere diksha initiation. That's the external part, which also is important, but it is not everything. But the inside copper wire, that we can compare to the internal dependence. When we feel internally fully helplessly dependent on Prabhupada, that's the copper part of the electric wire. That connects us. If that copper part or that internal dependence is not there, then our connection to Prabhupada can be compared to a very slow internet connection. I'm sure we all have had that experience. You know, on the computer it says, yes, you're connected, but it is so slow, so weak, you cannot download anything. You cannot receive anything. It's stuck. Right? And this is a nice little analogy to understand what our connection to Prabhupada is if we don't have this feeling of internal dependence, then all right, yeah, we are somewhat connected there, but we cannot really receive that flow of mercy and blessings which comes through the whole parampara all the way back to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The mercy and, and, and the, the flow and empowerment is stuck because the connection is, is very loose. It's not very tight. 
And Prabhupada himself actually demonstrated this principle. In There is a book entitled Our Shalom Prabhupada, A Friend to All. Anybody of you knows this book? Our Shalom Prabhupada, A Friend to All. Yes, some of you know. There is a few, I mean, this is a compilation of memories, different personalities in India had of Srila Prabhupada before he left India to go and preach in the Western world. And this book is one of my favorite books which gives insights into Prabhupada's life before he came to America. Very personal, intimate insights into Prabhupada's personal bhajan, his personal spiritual practice. And some things are there which Prabhupada would have never shared with any of his disciples. And there is this beautiful story which one Pujari in, in Advaita Charya's house tells. Advaita Charya's house is Shantipur, <clears throat> Mayapur district there. So he is sharing how Srila Prabhupada even even before he took sannyas, Srila Prabhupada very regularly used to go there and simply chant his japa and pray for mercy to somehow or other be able to fulfill his Guru's instruction of bringing this Krishna consciousness to the Western world. So for many years, Prabhupada used to go there every month or something, and spent the whole day chanting Japa. And then one day he came again, this time in saffron sannyas cloth, and he spent the whole day praying there. And then when he got up to leave, the pujari, the priest there, he went up to Prabhupada and asked him, Oh, who are you? I remember you from so many years you have been coming. So Prabhupada cheers, yes. This and this is my name, my Guru Dave has this and this name. And he said, and tomorrow I am getting on the ship to go to America. And I have no idea what will befall me there, what will I encounter there. And my Guru Dave gave me this impossible mission to bring this these teachings of, of Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam to the Western world. And I feel so helpless and unqualified. So therefore I'm coming here for so many years and pray simply for mercy because I am so helpless. I don't know how, how I will fulfill this mission. And when Prabhupada was saying this, he actually was crying. Tears were falling down on his cheeks. And he was saying, all I can do is simply pray for mercy here. He felt so helplessly dependent. And we can just imagine Prabhupada, the whole day he prayed before he went to America. You know, I mean, we can just imagine if we just go for four weeks to India or something, the day before we have so many more important things to do than sitting and praying for mercy or something. But for Prabhupada, that was his most important thing, 
that he was going there the day before he got on the ship, the Jaladuta. And he was spending the whole day praying for mercy. He felt unqualified, helpless. And in that book is also another story, similar, uh, with similar uh, message. When Prabhupada was living in Radha Damodar Temple in Vindavan, one, one neighbor shares the story in that same book. He, he says how he could hear in the middle of the night somebody crying. And he was always wondering, what is this? Some calling out and crying. And he was wondering, what, what's happening? He was trying to digress at one o'clock at night or something. And then one day on a full moon di- night, he went on the rooftop of the neighboring house and he could look down into the courtyard of uh, Radha Damodar Temple where Rupa Goswami Samadhi is. And he saw how Prabhupada with a small broom, he was sweeping humbly, doing humble service. And while he was sweeping the courtyard, he was calling out, Hey Rupa, hey, Gos- oh, hey Sanatan, hey Gurudev, give me your mercy. I want to fulfill my Gurudev's mission, but I feel so unqualified. I have no, no idea how I can do this. Please give me your mercy. Every night, Prabhupada was spending like this, you know, sweeping and calling out in hopelessness. And that's, that's actually what empowered, empowered Prabhupada to fulfill this impossible mission because he was feeling helplessly dependent on Guru's and previous Acharya's mercy and empowerment. And that's what connected him so strongly. And that's how he could receive that empowerment, that mercy coming all the way back from, you know, Mahaprabhu. Yes. So I'm often thinking, if we would just have one drop of this mood, that we would actually, you know, just call out in helpless, helplessness, feeling dependent on Prabhupada then we probably could be so much more instrumental in our humble preaching efforts. But our unfortunate position is that we think we can do it all. We know what to do and we we feel we, we've got it all down and we can do it. And then, all right, then Krishna says, all right, you know how to do it, then you don't need my mercy and empowerment. Then try without me. But unless we get some little empowerment of, of Srila Prabhupada and, and the Lord himself, we cannot really transform people's hearts, actually. We may be able to do something little, but to really transform people's heart, we do need that empowerment. And we receive it by feeling dependent on Prabhupada. Okay, so that's all I can share in that short time. Um, yes. Shall we see if there is some question or comment? Do we have time for this? Or? Yes? Okay. One, one short question. So, thank you. Um, you mentioned dependence on Srila Prabhupada. So, a couple of things. Um, 
how does that relate to one's dependence, and especially we are, you know, the grand disciples, Srila Prabhupada. So uh, our own spiritual master and dependence on the spiritual master um, is that independent of the dependence on Srila Prabhupada. And uh, sh- okay. or, or, or should that be... Um, yeah. Well, as I was explaining, the Diksha Guru's function is to connect us to Prabhupada. That's... He's connecting us to Prabhupada and he's giving us the initial training and discipline. That's what the Dikshagu's role is. So, you know, we are meant to be connected to Prabhupada. So a sign that we are connected is that Prabhupada becomes very much prominent in our life. Then we are connected. Then our Guru, you know, did that, that service for us, which he's meant to do, that we, we are connected. So yeah, as we progress, you know, that connection should be more and more, uh, reality and we feel it. So it doesn't mean that we are jumping over our Dikshagu or something by turning towards Prabhupada. No, no, no. That's, that's what he's meant to do. He's meant to connect us. Thank you, Mataji. That does answer the question. Just one. Is there anyone else? I just had one more quick question. Now, um, we're told that dependence. I mean, Shri Prabhupada then established an, an institution, yes, and which is very rare to see that an institution. As you know, spirituality is usually not institutionalized in principle. Um, that it's it's Bhaktivinoda Thakur and so on and so forth made that more prominent. Uh, so. The dependence on the institution as compared to the dependence on Srila Prabhupada, do you, do you see, um, you know, sometimes, um, we expect the institution to provide certain things and we, it may not directly be. Uh, I'm not talking about such kind of dependence. Okay. No, 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 no. Internal dependence on Prabhupada's mercy, on Prabhupada's guidance. That we remember him, we, we try and understand his instructions, we pray to him for guidance. I mean, once we are a little more tangibly connected with Prabhupada, we can receive guidance from Prabhupada. We can. You know? But that is a bit more mature stage, you know? Not as a newcomer or something, we can't say, oh yeah, Prabhupada is guiding me. No, no, no. You know, first of all, we have to be firmly uh, under Diksha Guru's discipline and he has to connect us. And even if we feel Prabhupada guides us, we can always uh, double check, you know, with Guru, Sadhu, Shastra and so on. But yeah, definitely, I mean, Prabhupada can become very present, you know, in our hearts and our lives, you know, that kind of dependence, not not... Not on external arrangements. No, my God, no. I'm not talking about that. Internal. Right? Good. Good that you clarified this. Okay, I think my time is up and I just quickly want to say a couple of words about the books. This one is called Spiritual Culture, Krishna's Divine System. It actually is all about the highly important role we women are meant to play in human society. Not only in marriage or something, but in human society. 
So it is highly thought-provoking. It is questioning a lot of modern worldviews and attitudes. It is establishing our Vaishnav culture as Krishna's system, he gives us, in order to create stability and harmony in this world. And all our social problems, such as divorce and violence towards women and child abuse, they're all reactions for not following Krishna's system. In Krishna's system, they don't have a place. So all our ladies here, if you want to have harmonious relationships with men around you, not only in married life, but in all dealings, even at work, in the office, and wherever it may be, you better check out this book. You will find something useful in it. And our men, if you want to get that support and that empowerment of the women, which you all deserve and need, then you also please check out this book. And the other one, Sheltering Relationships, the Foundation to Devotee Care, this is all about the importance of having a mentor, a coach, who helps us, who guides us, and also about the importance of eventually becoming a mentor ourselves. So all of you here who are serving in this capacity, you better check it out. All of those who want to become mentors, book is for you. Even those of you who don't want to be mentors, you better have a look at it. And those of you who have a mentor, it's for you, and those who look for a mentor, it's also for you, and even those of you who think you don't need a mentor, it's also for you. <laughs> and for a donation of $10, um, it can be yours. And I will be in the back corner there, so if any of you is interested, you can just come up to me and and we'll see. Okay, thank you so much for your kind attention. Shila Prabhupada ki Samaveda Bhaktavinda ki Gura Premanandi Hare Hare Krishna